Hi guys, and welcome back to Lily White Rose, the start of tomorrow today. John Wenham here, hope you're doing well, and thanks again for tuning in and downloading another episode. This pod can be downloaded on iTunes, Spotify, and across all major podcast providers. We're also on Twitter, at lilywhite underscore rose, Instagram, at lilywhite underscore rose, and Facebook, at lilywhiterosen17. Today seems like an excellent time to record a pod following my visit to Hotspur Way on Monday for the under-23s game against Crystal Palace. Thank you also for all those that have sent me messages asking for the pod. It's great to hear that it's so well received and you guys want to be kept updated on the academy side of the club. So attending games at Hotspur Way this season is a little different in that you have to call the ticket office five days before the fixture you uh, plan to obtain a ticket for and attend. And they then send you a kind of e-ticket that you print off or scan on your phone as you attend the match. At the training ground, it was great to see David Pleat in attendance. I even held the door open for him. He's still going strong, albeit now with the aid of a walking stick, but does hope to observe another 200 plus games this season in his role as a consultant scout for the club. I've been on a podcast with Alistair Gold last week, whereby we discussed Fabio Paratici not being present at youth games. I'm not sure if he listened to that episode of the Last Word on Spurs podcast or somebody at the club did, but to my pleasant surprise, he did appear at Hotspur Way on Monday around the 33 minutes mark of the game. Um, He did come in and watch. In person, he looks very, very cool and very, very kind of um, Milano fashion with the, with the shades and his clothing and the way he carries himself. Um, so that was good to see him taking, you know, a personal interest in watching our upcoming talent coming through. I had to have a little chuckle to myself, though, as when he was coming um, from the reception or lobby area at Hotspur Way, um, the lady on the gate made him sign in and wear a little green wristband we all had to wear. Uh, I was just thinking to myself, this is Fabio Paratici, come on, you know this guy, you don't need to, to check who he is, but uh, there we go. It was also great to see Yaya Toure still in attendance and in Spurs training wear. Although we've not had any official announcement, it appears he's extended his stay with the club working with the academy. So for this fixture, Wayne Burnett lined up with Josh Oluwayemi in goal. The wing-backs were Marcel Lavinia and Dermi Lasala. Centre-backs were Marcus Murr and Malachi Walcott, who was wearing the captain's armband. Midfield two of Matthew Craig and Max Robson, with Alfie Devine playing just in front of them. And then the two wide players were Iago Santiago Alonso, Janil Bennett and Dane Scarlett led the line. In the second half, we saw the introduction of Rio Kyra Mayton and Jaden Williams. Um, and that was good to see. They added some much-needed energy to the side. Tobia Mole and Callum Cisse were still suspended after their red cards at the end of the 1-1 draw with Blackburn Rovers at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for the under-23s. We welcomed the Crystal Palace under-23s who had beaten us 4-3 in the reverse fixture. This time, we shipped four goals for a second time as we slumped to a 4-1 defeat at Hotspur Way. Former Spurs academy player Nia Kirby started for Palace. Palace took the lead through Banks, who lashed high into the net with barely a minute on the clock as we divvied while trying to play it out from the back. The same player then doubled Palace's lead on 17 minutes with a fantastic left-footed free kick that clipped the top of the wall and went in off the near post after Matthew Craig had committed a foul on Nia Kirby. It was staggering, I've got to be honest, so early on in the game, the drop-off in quality in the midfield. When I've been seeing over the course of this season thus far, the likes of Harvey White in there, Niall John or even Jamie Bowden who started up at Everton last week, to Max Robson and Matthew Craig, there was a real difference in levels and experience of those players. And and I suppose that makes some sense. You know, Harvey White has obviously already been out on loan at Portsmouth. Jamie Bowden had done 25 games at Oldham this season. Those players were a little bit older as well, but they just felt like a real uh, staggering depth in in where those players were with their development starting the game and how that corresponded in, in what we saw take place in the match against Crystal Palace. 
because without White in the side, we really lacked any real dominance in the middle of the park and a genuine left-footed presence in the side. We also greatly missed White's set-piece deliveries, which are a key key skill to our, our setup really in that team so to have him out of the team was very very noticeable shortly after palace's second goal on 17 minutes we did manage to pull a goal back marcus murr passed out from the back was cleverly flicked on by dane scarlett to allow alfie divine to go through on goal and convert from the right angle this was really the only high high quality moment we produced over the 90 minutes and it was no surprise to see those two players combined so well into great effect we did have a couple other chances or half chances should i say before half time Scarlett ran through on goal only to have the ball nicked off him by the advancing Palace goalkeeper Joe Whitworth at the edge of the box and the closest we went to bagging a second goal was on 34 minutes when Janil Bennett roamed in from the right and cracked a left footed shot against the woodwork from distance. Now if you've watched Janil over the years this was the polar opposite of his trademark low curling shot into the far corner. This was high and into the near post um, and he was unlucky on this occasion to hit the bar. It was good to see him mix it up and try something a bit different with his shooting. Marcel Lavinia then had a cross from the left which was knocked back into the middle by right back Dermi Lasala but Max Robson's effort from six yards out was stopped again by Palace goalkeeper Whitworth. Onto the second half and Banks nearly had a hat-trick for Palace at the start when he fizzed the shot just over the top but it was unfortunately 3-1 on 52 minutes when Nia Kirby blasted in from the right angle. Oluwayami left kicking himself for failing to keep it out after he did manage to get a hand on the ball. He really should have kept this one out and uh, you could see the frustration uh, on the goalkeeper's face. Palace subsequently added a fourth goal on 69 minutes when Banks' free kick crashed off the underside of the bar and the ball was scrambled down to Rack Saki, who's made a first-team appearance for Palace this season, to slot home. Our misery was then compounded on the 89th minute when Malachi Walcott saw red following a coming together with Akin Wali. It appeared Walcott punched the Palace player, um, which is totally out of character for Malachi and frustratingly he will now miss the next three games. However, this could open up the door for Matskin Paskotsky to make some appearances. I understand the scoreline is frustrating, but I think you have to consider the team's lost its talisman in Dylan Candy. More on that a bit later on. Harvey White, um, who presumably was being saved for the a place in the senior squad for the game against Southampton tonight. Jamie Bowden, who was at Hotspur Way but not selected for whatever reason. Jack Clark, who has joined Sunderland on loan. Niall John, who has joined Charlton on loan. And the suspension of duo Toby Amole and Callum Cisse. Plus, Brooklyn's Lions Foster, who's been ruled out for the season with an injury, and I'll discuss that further later on. Burnett was effectively missing seven players from the side he was selecting just a month ago. Wayne Burnett was very honest in his assessment after the game, saying he was bitterly disappointed with the way the game panned out as we slipped to a second consecutive Premier League 2 defeat. Our performance was very disappointing and didn't reflect what we'd done throughout the week, he said. I've been open and honest with the players, and when they've done well, I've said they have done well. But today it was impossible to win football matches without a real sense of fight, a work ethic and a willingness to run. We haven't done that consistently or maintained it for long periods of the game. We did it in spells, but not to a level that we expect and I know that we can do. Obviously we didn't start well. If you give any team a two goal start, it's really difficult. We managed to respond quickly with a goal, but we didn't really have that same threat, look as dynamic or play with the same intensity as we have done and that showed. The only bright spark was the two really young players who came on in Williams and Kyramenton. They showed some personality and character, but in terms of the result, we didn't deserve anything. Our under-23's next fixture is away to Chelsea on Friday the 18th of February. Chelsea usually stream these games, so I'll post out links to watch on Twitter on the day of the game if you can't get down to Kingstonians in person. Um, but I will recommend muting the commentary uh, that Chelsea provide. I find it incredibly biased, anyone of, of a Tottenham supporting background. So I would give that a miss, but certainly do watch the stream. 
just on streaming Academy games. Palace managed to bring a chat to record and stream the game, and I, like many of you, find it beyond frustrating that Spurs seemingly have no appetite to do the same. They record the games to show the players clips and watch over in training, etc. So why not just have a live stream of fixtures for fans to watch? What would it cost to have somebody, you know, fresh out of uni looking for an internship to head up this role? And who knows what door that could open for them further down the line? This would even be beneficial for players so that their family and friends could watch games they couldn't attend in person. Um, so I'm just really surprised that Spurs continue to not show these games. You know, there really is an appetite for it. I can tell that by the numbers that I get listening to this podcast. There is a real appetite for people um, to be aware of the youth games and, and people would love to watch those fixtures. So I just hope that, you know, the, the Spurs can uh, facilitate showing these games in the future. Jamie Bowden was recalled from his loan at League 2 Oldham, where he made 25 appearances in the first half of the season. I had presumed that the plan was to move him up a division for the second half of the season, but a loan move did not materialise. The same can be said for Janil Bennett, who was on loan at Lee One Crew, albeit he returned early owing to an injury. However, I understand that there is a rule that you can only play for two clubs in one season, and both Bowden and Bennett appeared for the first team in the Europa Conference League qualifier versus Pacos under Nuno and as such could not play for a third club in one season. It seems bizarre the decision to recall Jamie despite whatever was going on in the background at Oldham as he was playing senior men's football. Jamie has a contract until 2023 so I expect he will go out on loan again next season. Harvey White was someone I was saying back in September October I'd hoped would go out on loan from the 1st of January. He had already proved himself at League One with Portsmouth who he joined last January and was absolutely ready for another move. On deadline day, it was reported by the Evening Standard that Hull and Luton, Championship clubs, and Portsmouth and Sunderland, League One clubs, would all be interested in signing him on loan. But unfortunately for Harvey's development, I think Spurs couldn't believe their luck when they were unexpectedly able to offload all of Tangi on Dombele, Giovanni Lo Celso and Deli Alli on deadline day. That's well over £400,000 a week worth of wages removed in a single day. It was ruthlessly executed by Tottenham in removing the three 25-year-olds, and although Rodrigo Bentancourt joined from Juventus, White was seen as somebody Antonio Conte could rely upon, and as such his personal development is the negative impact of the positive impact for the club in moving on for those three players I mentioned that Antonio Conte deemed as unusable. Hopefully White can make some first-team appearances, likely from the bench during the second half of the season, and I'm sure training every day with the likes of Bentancourt, Skip, Huybier and Winks will be hugely beneficial for his development long-term, but I do feel this season has been a wasted year for White's development. I've got to be honest with you, the fact that he went to Portsmouth did very, very well. Their managers in the summer um, made the right noises that they would have taken him back, um, and then we've had championship clubs expressing an interest after his impressive form for Tottenham under-23s in the first half of this season. Um, it does feel like his personal progress has been stunted this year but look I appreciate for the bigger picture of the club and that has got to come first you know the fact they were able to move on those three players has left them a little bit short and obviously look if we can get you know five substitute appearances for Harvey White before the end of the season to help establish himself um, then that will be beneficial but let's wait and see on that now one guy I've got to talk about you know, um, he's a player I was very, very fond of, and that was Dylan Markandi. He moved on during the January transfer window. He turned down the offer of a new contract at Spurs and chose to join Blackburn Rovers on a permanent basis. The reported fee was half a million, potentially rising to one million, with sell-on clauses attached, but no buyback clause. I found the handling of the Markandi situation particularly baffling from the club, I've got to be honest. The player has had recently as October said he wanted to play for his boyhood club for the next 15 years but the only opportunity he was afforded was a few minutes away to Vitesse in the Conference League. The form of Mark Handy warranted a new long-term contract 18 months ago. 
I just cannot comprehend how Spurs have allowed this same situation to arise yet again, as it did with Lewis Binks, as it did with Noni Majuki, as it did with Omari Forsen, as it did with Milos Velkovic, as it did with Ismail Wazawi, whereby we are losing hugely talented young players for peanuts of their potential value. Previously, we've been good at running this side of the club. Look at the fees received for Nabil Bentaleb, £19 million. Ryan Mason, £13 million. Alex Pritchard, £8 million. Jake Livermore, £10 million. Tom Carroll, £5 million. The list goes on and on and on. Stephen Corker, £8 million. Mark Handy should have been involved with the first team squad after his ridiculous numbers this pre-season. Even if it was just the odd minute here and there, it would have made him feel like a pathway existed and he may have signed a new long-term deal then. But in reality, he simply wasn't afforded the opportunity. And I find that so, so sad when our best young player over a significant period of time and a true Spurs fan has to leave for a lack of opportunities. What message does that send to other young players at the club? And what's the message you know, between parents and agents at the club saying now when someone like Dylan couldn't get an opportunity? I was convinced Spurs wouldn't allow this situation of losing our best players to arise again, seeing the success of the likes of Noni Majuki at PSV, for example, and how much they were promoting Dylan on social media and allowing him to conduct a big interview with Yahoo back in October with the excellent Jonathan Veal. Um, during a podcast I recorded with Windy Coys for his patron on the Extra Inch, I said I believed Spurs must have had a plus one year option in his contract. I couldn't see how they would allow this to happen again. But sadly I was wrong. Why don't we learn Tottenham? I hope this is the last time I'm, I'm having to, to rant and rave about this, but it just continues to happen whereby we... We don't learn from our previous errors. Why aren't the club doing more to secure these young talents to longer-term deals, to show them the pathway exists? You know, I really hope this is the last time I have to, to mention this kind of thing. Dylan has been an absolute pleasure to watch over the last four to five years in the academy sides, and I wish him the best of luck at Blackburn. Testament to Dylan as well and, and, and his personality and his character. He sent me a really nice message on Twitter um, soon as his move was confirmed, thanking me for my support over the years and wishing both me and my family well. Dill really is a smashing kid and I hope he's back in the Premier League before too long with Blackburn. So wishing you the best of luck, mate. Moving on to loans in recent weeks, Keon Atete was recalled from League 2 Northampton and moved up the division joining League 1 Cheltenham Town. I was delighted to see Keon has moved up seamlessly and was named Cheltenham's man of the match last night. Hopefully he can get a few goals and continue picking up vital minutes between now and the end of the season. Alfie Whiteman's loan at Degafors IF has come to an end and I noticed he was left out of the club's 25-man Premier League squad. Brandon Austin selected instead. I saw on Alfie's Instagram page that he was in New York, so I wonder if a loan is in the MLS is being lined up, um, similar to what Brandon did last year at Orlando City. Cameron Carter-Vickers has continued to start and be involved in every possible opportunity for Celtic since joining on loan with the option to buy. There was lots of talk over the January transfer window about a £6 million permanent move, but nothing confirmed as of yet. He's made 28 appearances so far for Celtic. Troy Parrott has got another 90 minutes under his belt for MK Dons. Troy, who has now turned 20, has four goals and five assists from his 29 appearances in all competitions for the League One outfit so far this season. Niall John appeared for Charlton's under-23s on Monday. Hopefully he can work his way into the senior side before too long in a loan move that was one much needed for Niall and one I was really pleased to see secured. Jack Clark completed 80 minutes for Sunderland last night and he was replaced by former Spurs legend Jermaine Defoe with 10 minutes to go. There was also some glowing references from Sunderland fans on Twitter about Clark's performance despite Sunderland's bad results recently. Papa Matasar is now an AFCON winner with Senegal. The 19-year-old was an unused substitute during the final, but did get 14 minutes during the semi-final win over Burkino Faso. He'll now report back to Ligue 1 side Metz in France before joining Spurs permanently on the 1st of July. 
Brian Hill has made two appearances already for Valencia and become an instant fan's favourite, being compared to club legend Pablo Aymar. Valencia are in action again tomorrow night, um, and he'll be looking to get more minutes on the board. Tongi and Dombele came on after 27 minutes for Lyon, with their his lone club now 2-0 down at that point. The game did finish by that scoreline, but he did get some positive feedback on his touches, assists and uh, influence on the game. Giovanni Lo Celso came on for the final 13 minutes for Villarreal in their 2-0 away win. Kakber Kurlowicz has joined Potter's Bar Town on loan. They play in the Irishman's Premier League. The 20-year-old immediately got off to a winning start between the sticks as Potter's Bar Town won 2-1 at Kingstonian on Saturday. I noticed that Academy first years Max McKnight, Alfred Dorrington, Tom Bloxham and second years Charlie Sayers had all been training with the first team. I'm unsure if this is a reward for good work in training or matches or it's just a rotor-based system, but nonetheless it is great to see. Hampshire Live are reporting that development squad midfielder Michael Craig has joined fellow Premier League side Southampton on trial with a view to a permanent move. Michael has a contract until 2023, so I find this a little strange. If his deal was set to expire on the 30th of June 2022, and he'd been told, for example, that it wasn't being renewed, I'd find this more understandable. If he were to leave on a permanent basis, Spurs could demand a fee, with the player still having a year to run on his contract. I'm told that Brooklyn's Lions Foster has done his meniscus and will subsequently be out for the season. The player has, though, positively undergone successful surgery, but this is still such a shame as Brooke was playing really well in the CDM role for the 23s, and there had been inquiries about taking him on a first loan from January prior to his injury versus Blackburn under 23s. This is the same injury that Malachi Walcott had in 2020 or 2019 that kept him out for a year. So it is a very serious injury, and I'm wishing Brooke and his family well for the recovery. We exclusively revealed on at Lily White Rose on the 23rd of January that Academy second year Dante Casanova had been on trial at Derby County. He even featured for their under 18s listed as a trialist. I can only presume that Dante has been told he won't be getting a pro contract at Spurs, so it's best if he starts trialing elsewhere for a pro deal when his scholarship at Spurs expires on the 30th of June 2022. Queen's Park Rangers have confirmed the permanent signing of Rafferty Pedder following his release from his contract at Spurs. Raff would have been released on the 30th of June 2022 in any event, so he makes this move six months early following a successful trial period with Queen's Park Rangers. The draw for the sixth round of the FA Youth Cup has been made, and if we can beat Wolves away in round five, we will be at home to Charlton or Brighton in the sixth round. Our fifth round game with Wolves will take place this coming Saturday at 1pm being played at Molyneux, I'm sure this will be a huge occasion for our young players and a decent crowd will be in attendance. Personally, I would drop Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett into the lineup for this fixture to give ourselves the best chance of progressing to round six. Tickets for Spurs supporters can be purchased in advance by calling the Wolverhampton Wanderers ticket office on 0371 222 1877. That's 0371 222 and stating that they require an away fan ticket. Tickets are priced at £3 for adults and £2 for concessions and under 17s. That's it for this week's pod. Thanks again for listening. Please do retweet the pod, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. It really helps get the pod out to as many people as possible. And as always, the future's bright. It's Lily White.